0: Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the Wild, where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. That was awesome. That was so good. I am pumped to preach today. Uh, we have we have a couple of big goals, right? In our church, uh, we we want to be a church that walks together through life. And this means that our goal is not necessarily to be the the most numerically large church. Our goal is to grow together and grow deeper. And so we preach a lot of Bible. We we, we preach a lot of things. Um, In the summertime, we walk through a book of the Bible together. This is because um, for a couple reasons. One, I think that if you're here in the summer, it's because you want to be. And so I want to help disciple you up in the summer. A lot of times in summer, uh, churches will kind of um, kind of walk everything back and make it a little bit easier. but my attempt is to help you grow spiritually deeper throughout the summer and to really help you be in the word. And so uh, we, we're doing that this summer. we're in the book of John. Uh, we're going to look today at John chapter 37 John I'm sorry John chapter seven verse 37. And, um, man, I, I'm just, I am so excited about uh, this youth thing that we went to, Teen Revolution. It was amazing. It really was. So, um, again, thank you all who contributed to allowing these boys to go. And then thank you for being a church that um, we believe we're like a family. And so when, when the teens go, a part of our church goes. That's a part of our church family that's, that's going to these things. And so um, it, was, it was super exciting to be a part of it. And uh, to be able to be there with our boys, um, this was our first ever teen event. And I I truly believe we had the best possible teen boys to represent us on our first teen event. Like, I truly believe that. There is there's a lot of people who are going to – you'll hear complain about the next generation. You know, it's always like a thing, like, ah – let me tell you, these boys give me a lot of hope for the next generation. I really believe that we have leaders, we have people who love Jesus, we have people who are focused and disciplined, who love Jesus and they love having fun and they love having fun together and all three of those are important and uh, man, it was, it was just epic, like it was epic to be a part of this for a lot of reasons, one of which was um, it was cool to be known as, as Charlie and Brody's pastor like oh you're their pastor cool i want to get to know you it was mostly by girls if i'm honest like mostly girls were very interested in oh you're charlie and brody's pastor boy we love your church i'm like what's the name of it yeah uh you know their name you know <laughs> and um also because these boys if you get on um if you're on Instagram and you see this reel that I made with the song Highway to the Danger Zone of Brody just demolishing full-grown men in a basketball game and Charlie just working his way through a crowd of people to slam it on him, it was epic. Like, I was like, yeah, those are some boys right there. Uh, this, one of the guys running the event was like, how old are those boys? I said, oh, they're freshmen. He's like, freshmen? I said, yeah, we grow them right in Ohio. We grow them right in Ohio. So... um, but also, in all honesty, just just be around good kids gives me, like, such a bright hope. It was, en- it was energizing to me. And to be around kids who are like, like <laughs> we're in this bus ride, this van, and they're telling me, like, oh, I read five chapters of the Bible today. I was reading a chapter last night and a chapter this morning. I'm like, man, you guys are amazing. I love this. Keep this up. And so, um, you know, as a church plant, we, we start everything from scratch. Like we start everything with nothing, like literally. We had no building, and we were going to meet. And we had a building, and we met, and we turned it into this. And we had no kids' church, and then we, we met with kids' church, and then we turned a kids' church into what kids' church is now. And we had no teens, and then we met with teens, and we started a teen thing with no teens, and now we have this. And it's just it's super fun to be a part of. Building something from scratch and building it from the ground up is um, it's just fun to be a part of. I love it. So John chapter 7. Verse 37, on the last day and the most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit for the spirit had not yet been given them because Jesus had not yet been glorified. One of the key indicators of the spirit is Jesus glorified. If you glorify Jesus and people are like, I have the Holy Spirit and you should stop glorifying Jesus, that means they don't have the Holy Spirit, they have a different one. When some from the crowd heard these words, they said, this truly is the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah comes from David's offspring, from the town of Bethlehem where David lived? So the crowd was divided because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him. But no one wanted to lay hands on him. All right, let's pray and we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, you are gracious, kind, loving, just, and holy. You are righteous. And we are going to see today through a couple of verses, the entire gospel pulled together through one statement that Jesus says. And we know that only you can do that. For we are humbled by the fact that there are people who want to grow closer to you and to each other in the middle of summer, gathering together to worship you, to sing Holy is the Lord together. Lord, I pray that we would go to you because wherever you go, life follows. And we'll ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, you can raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come up here or give a testimony. How many of you would say you really enjoy Christmas movies? Anybody? Okay. right. I'm among friends. Good. Good. At the teen thing, I asked a question to all the teens and no one raised their hand. I was like, all right, we're done. This is the end of the sermon. I don't know how to go from here. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas movies. I am a Christmas movie freak. I love them. I want six feet of snow at Christmas time. All of you who pray for brown Christmases, God has been answering me, not you, the last couple of years. He'll probably get back to answering you soon. I love Christmas movies. One of my favorite, which I think we could all agree is on the list somewhere. I don't know where you would place it, but somewhere, is the classic Elf. Like it is, yes, amen. Okay, okay, all right, good, good. Elf is the cl- Christmas classic. You may not be your favorite, but boy, it's a classic. And what I love about Elf is I'm pretty sure they had a script and then they just said, let's film Will Ferrell walking around in a ridiculous outfit and see what he does. Because the parts where Will Ferrell is just walking around doing random stuff, like there's a man... In a, in a red suit and a beard that doesn't even realize until he watched the movie that he was in the movie because they did not include him in that script, but Will Ferrell ran up to him and hugged him like he was Santa, and this man was like, what are you doing? I love the randomness that Will Ferrell throws into that movie, and one of my favorite things is when he walks into this coffee store that clearly does not have the world's best cup of coffee, and he yells, congratulations, you did it to them, and all those people in there are like, what is happening right now? This is kind of how the people at the festival feel when Jesus stands up. I mean, imagine, imagine you're at some big, you know, it's um, it's the Bratwurst Festival out by Centerburg or something. And then some guy walks up and is like, I am the living water. What, what would you do? Like, what is happening right now? Jesus yells this thing out. He says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. And this is so random. Like to the people at the festival, they're looking around like, what's the deal with the guy yelling about drinking water? What's going on here? And to the rest of the people who knew what he was talking about, they weren't confused. They were ticked off. This is, um, this is like this. This is like, uh, Brandon, I'm, we're praying for Brandon. He's a Michigan State Spartans fan. So we're praying for him. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> not why we're praying. <laughs> um, but let's say Brandon and I go to, this year the Ohio State Michigan game is at, is at Ohio State. We go to the game and we sit down and there's a hundred ish thousand people. They're all in red, they're all cheering. And Brandon in the middle of the game, let's say there's a couple calls that are not going Ohio State's way. A few decisions by Ryan Day that are not going his way. Things are a little bit tense. People are really angry. There's been trash talk. And Brandon in the middle of that at halftime, while the marching band is marching, walks out with a megaphone and says, I'm the reason you guys lost to Michigan last year because I told them all the secret place. That's what Jesus is doing. That doesn't go over well if you try that. Jesus at a religious festival among all kinds of religious people is like, hey, everything that you thought about scriptures was wrong and you need to turn to me because I am the living water. This is what Jesus is doing at a religious festival with religious people. It is seemingly random. And to some people, it's really offensive. Like there's nothing politically correct about what Jesus is doing right here. But here's why Jesus is doing this. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. You won't hear this from a lot of churches. There's a lot of churches that will, because they're only worried about growing in numbers, they will tell you that Jesus was trying to pick a fight with religious people. He had nothing to do with religious people. He wanted nothing to do with them. They're all bad. Jesus knew they were all bad. He was against them from the start. He wants people more like you, which sounds great. Not true. Jesus was for everyone. He met with Nicodemus, at a rooftop where Nicodemus would meet him at night when Nicodemus would meet him and talked about what Nicodemus wanted to talk about. And Nicodemus was one of the most religious people in the Bible. What Jesus is doing here is he is pleading with religious people to understand that he's for them and he is trying to rescue them from themselves. Jesus will meet you right where you are, but he will also tell you what you need to know. Jesus is going to a religious festival at its height and saying, you desperately need me because I am the son of the living God. I have the water that you have been thirsting for. You will not find it apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus does this in our life. Jesus will meet you right where you are, but you might not always like what he has to say. Jesus is like a really good football coach. The really good football coach doesn't tell you a great job when you drop the pass you should have caught. The really great football coach is like, here's how you could have caught that pass. Here's what we can do to improve. Here's an opportunity for you to grow. This is what that looks like. Let's get back out there and try it again. Jesus is going to them and he's coming to us and he's saying, here's what you need to know. You might not love it, but it's what will change your spirit. And this is so important. Jesus is more interested in changing your spirit than he is your scenery or your situation. A lot of times in our life, we run into issues and we want our scenery to change because we think if our scenery changes, everything will be better. But this is like you being on a flight to New York. And I don't know how you fly, I fly Delta and I'm like all the way in the back, crammed in between 17 other people. You know, like they give us one cracker they pass around. It's like a saltine. Here you go. Here's your meal. But imagine you're on a flight to New York and you made it all the way onto the plane and the plane is getting ready to leave. And the flight you're also really supposed to be on, which is flying to California, is also getting ready to leave. And you realize it and you say to the stewardess, hey, ma'am, I'm on the wrong flight, so I need to move first class because if I'm going to New York, I'm going first class. This is what we do in our life. We say, Jesus, I really need my spirit to change. So would you change my scenery and my surroundings and my situation? And so that, you know what I need? I need something within me to be radically revolutionized by Jesus Christ. But instead, would you just make me feel more comfortable heading in the wrong direction as I go? And a lot of times you'll hear this, man, God wants to give you a bigger car. He wants to give you a bigger house. He wants to bless you with more money. He might. And those things are good. Those things are fine. Those things are great when they happen. But Jesus is more interested in saving your soul and fixing your spirit. Because if he can save your soul and fix your spirit, he can change your scenes and your surroundings and your situation later. He always starts with the most important thing. So Jesus comes to them and he says, I'm here to change your spirit. You don't need just another book. You need the living book. You need the word of God. You don't need just another river. You need the living water. And he comes in and he says something. And this is what he's talking about. Zechariah 14, eight says this on that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. This is an old school prophet, Zechariah. And what he's saying is someday in the middle of Jerusalem, there is this river that's going to pour out. And this river is going to flow out to all nations, and it's going to be this continual thing, and it's going to bless everyone, and it's going to be wonderful, and everyone's going to find life in it. It's going to go to all people, all tribes, all tongues. It's going to go to everyone always. Which is so interesting because Isaiah said, I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on a dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. And my blessing on your descendants. And we find prophets throughout the Old Testament continually talking about this day that water as a river is going to flow in Jerusalem and it's going to change everything. Now, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. I do not have it on the screen, but um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning creation. At the time the Lord God made the earth in the heaven, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land and no plant of the field had yet sprouted for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land. So the earth is missing water. There was no man to work the ground, but mist would come out from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. He became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he placed the man he had formed the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. And a river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there, it became the source of four rivers. Here you have Jesus fulfilling Old Testament prophets. And you have this very interesting tie. Back to the very beginning of the Bible. This is going somewhere. I promise. So hang with this for a minute. Where the Bible says in the Garden of Eden there was this river that was bringing life to every one and every thing that it encountered. And then if you look in the Book of Exodus, I'm going to not read all these, but Exodus chapter 17. The children of Israel are in a desert where there is no life and there is no water and they're thirsty and they're tired and they're hungry and they're complaining because all of us get hangry when it's hot and we have no air conditioning and they're in the middle of the desert and God says to Moses this interesting thing. He says, hit a rock and out of the middle of the rock, water will pour out and it will water everyone that it passes and every one of the children of Israel will be blessed and they'll find life and they'll have water and it will be this amazing thing. This river will pour out of a rock and every." one will have life. Fast forward to Psalm chapter 46. and David says, there is a river. It streams delight in the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the most high. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. This was translated in the earliest Greek translation to say this. This is like, Man, this uh, someone in church in the wild worship needs to write this into a song. The violent rush of the river cheers, gladdens, and encourages the city of God. Like that's powerful. That is so powerful. And Jesus gets up in John seven and is like, "Hey, the river, all of you all know about that's been continually referenced from Genesis to Exodus to Psalms to Zechariah to Isaiah. That's me." People get mad. People get confused. People get upset. People are like, what are you talking about? And people decide to kill him because he said this. This is the festival that his followers are like, bro, don't go to. And he was like, oh, okay, I'll just wait till the day when everyone's there. Then I'll go. And I'll tell everyone that they need me because they need this river to flow out of the middle. And if this river flows out of the middle, everyone will find life. And you know what? They need to hear that. So I'm going to go tell them. So the religious leaders make this plot to kill him, and they think they won. What they don't realize is they're actually the fulfillment of what he's saying. So look at John 19. John 19, verse 33. When they came to Jesus, he has just died on the cross. They did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. Listen to this. Because we've all been told this means that Jesus died out of a broken heart. It might mean that. I'm not a doctor, and I did not play one on TV, so I don't know. But listen to this. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once, blood and water came out. He who saw this testified that you also may believe his testimony is true and know that he is telling the truth. Literally, Jesus says, I am the living water. Rivers will flow out of me. The people say, okay, fine, we'll kill you. They pierce his side and rivers flow out of him. Like literally a river flows out of him and it waters the earth. Think about it. We are alive in Christ today, even though we are in the West, just like the people in the East are gathering to worship right now, because Jesus was willing to let his side be pierced so that you and I could find life. Jesus fulfills the prophecy and brings the entire Bible together in one moment when he dies. And they pierce his side. And it very well could be that the reason water and blood poured out was because his heart was literally ruptured. And they say that that could happen. But I think there's a bigger picture. And I think the picture is this, that wherever Jesus goes, life follows. You think about a river. Everywhere that river goes, life follows. Why was Egypt the world power that it was? It was on a river. And life followed. What made America able to grow the way that we grew? We had so many rivers, so life was following the rivers. In our lives, wherever Jesus goes, life follows. So everywhere we go, we need to go with Jesus. Every step you take in your life needs to involve Jesus every decision you make, you want to have life in your marriage. Your marriage is struggling. You want to have some life, bring it to Jesus. Your relationship struggling. You want to find, find some life, bring it to Jesus. You are single as a leaf in November. Bring your singleness to Jesus. You are brokenness. You have brokenness in your life and sin in your life. Bring it to Jesus. You have relationship issues, bring them to Jesus. You have financial issues, bring them to Jesus. You need to buy that house, hello, I'm with you. We need to buy a house, bring it to Jesus. You need this in your life, bring it to Jesus because wherever he goes, life follows. Why are we living our lives apart from him hoping that someday, honestly, you ever wonder why you feel so good on Sunday? Man, listen, When when I got to this thing, this teenage, this Worship team, there's all these teenagers. They are jumping up and down and worshiping and praising God. Teenagers. You know how we get told they don't ever do that? They were doing it. There's like 200 of them all wrapped up in Jesus. You know I arrived tired and low-key grumpy, and I left alive. Why? I got in the middle of a bunch of people who were all about Jesus, and life followed. Jesus is life. We need him. And when we bring him in, when we welcome him into our life, we find life. When we welcome him into the areas that we say, you can have everything but not that, and finally we say, okay, you can have that, life begins to grow. But here's the rest of the sermon. My dad used to listen to Paul Harvey when I was a kid on the radio at noon every day. And every day at noon, Paul Harvey would say, and now you know the rest of the story. And my dad would would like quote it for word, word for word. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I want to show you the rest of the story. Revelation chapter 22. We sang about this a minute ago. We just didn't realize it. Revelation 22. Verse one, he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the city's main street. I mean, can you get, make it any more clear than that, that God's trying to tell us something here? The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing fruit after its own kind, fruit of every month. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. All the tears that you cry because of the curse of sin and the death and the pain and the discomfort that it brings into your life will no longer exist when you step foot into eternity at the place where the river of life is flowing. The throne of God, the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Someday. Someday all the pain is gone. Someday all the brokenness is gone. Someday all the hurt is gone. Someday all the addictions are gone. Someday all the bruising is gone. Someday all the loss is gone. Someday all the things that we look around this world and say, what is happening right now? When we look around, someday we realize that when we step foot in the very presence of God, life flows for eternity. And that life is available for you and it's available for me. You're broken? You're hurting? Suffering? Suffering? There will be a day when there's no more tears. There will be a day when you don't lose people ever again. There will be a day when you don't have all the aches and the pains, the hurts. There will be a day when the loved ones that you lost will run to meet you. Children will dance in the streets. The children you lost will stand to greet you. The family members who have left this earth long before you did will welcome you home. Life will begin for eternity if you have Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet right now. Jesus is life. Wherever he goes, life follows. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to pray. Maybe like me, you get guilty of trying to ask God, hey, fix this situation. Change my scenery. I just need a different job. I just need a different person. I just need a different situation. I just need a different thing. I just need a different boyfriend or a different girlfriend. And Jesus says, no, I'm trying to change your spirit. I'm trying to tell you what you need to hear, not what you necessarily want to hear. Run to Jesus. Wherever he is, life will follow. Maybe like The team boys were talking about you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're depending upon your eternal soul being saved by the fact that you perhaps remember that at VBS you might have said some words that someone told you to repeat after them and you don't really remember, but you think you might be okay. You need Jesus not to repeat some words. You don't need religion, you need Jesus. You don't need rules, you need Jesus. Rules don't bring life, Jesus does. Myself, Brian, members of our team, we would love to pray with you about that. We would love to talk to you about that. We would love to begin this walk with God in life. And we would love to also have you stand with us on the river of life in heaven someday when your family's dancing around and celebrating with you. We would love nothing more than that. And heaven would love nothing more than that. So much so to the fact that when one person accepts Jesus Christ, all of heaven rejoices and throws a literal party. They get down in heaven when you fall to your knees. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you right now, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would say right now, I need the life that follows Jesus Christ, all I'm going to ask you to do right now is just raise your hand and say, I need the life that follows Jesus Christ because I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray with you this week and we're going to talk about that. Is there anyone in here right now who says, I need the life that follows Jesus Christ and I want to make Him my Lord and Savior? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Now, right now, the rest of us, Maybe there's a point in our life where we need to give Jesus access to our life because he has life and life will follow wherever we allow him to go. So let's pray and then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, you are kind, gracious, loving, and just. Thank you for fulfilling and putting the entire Bible into seven short verses. You are life. We find life in you. And Lord, help us to follow you Because wherever you go, life will follow. In Jesus' name, amen.